Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about buying a used car, a new car, and whether you should take the mileage deduction or the expense deduction. And just so you know, I'm not a CPA. I'm just playing one here on this podcast. I'm just going to give you some information and you can make the right decision. And of course, you want to consult your CPA or tax advisor. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open seven days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's Referral Program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. First off, I think we should start by deciding if you're going to purchase a newer used truck. Now with the used car prices going up, Pretty much over the last year or so, getting a used truck cheap is kind of hard. You have to search around. I actually got my truck about 6000 under Blue Book, mainly because the tailgate, the actual logo was taken off and someone put a sticker there. I rectified that when I bought it. I just got a new logo and put it on there. And that pretty much was all I needed to do to the truck. It was a 2019 Honda Ridgeline with 34,000 miles. And I got it for under thirty thousand, a little under thirty thousand, which is about six thousand or seven thousand under the blue book value at the time. But when I was looking for my ridge line, I also saw the fact that a lot of the used car prices were actually higher than what it would cost to buy the same truck new, which is kind of weird. I was scratching in my head wondering why I would pay more for a used truck than a new one. And a new truck, of course, if you drive it off the lot, you know right away once you leave that lot after signing the contract. The value drops like five or 6000 but in the environment that we're in now, that may not be the case, so a new truck may hold its value a lot longer than in days past. And so if you decide to go with a new truck, you have to decide if you want to lease it or purchase it. I would say leasing would be the least attractive option, mainly because you have mileage restrictions of ten or 12,000 miles, and when you go over that mileage restriction... And if you go over those mileage restrictions, the rates are pretty high and the penalties are pretty high when you turn it in. So definitely leasing would be my least favorite. Besides that, leasing is the most expensive way to own the car for a number of reasons. The dealer knows that when you bring it back, there's something called a residual. And this is what the car is worth based on 36,000 or 30,000 miles driven, depending on how many miles you're allowed. And so they know the value of the car, the truck, and then they're going to charge you accordingly during the lease term, those fees, and then when you end your lease after three or four years, you have the residual to pay off if you want to purchase that vehicle. So all in all, I think it's really the most expensive way to purchase a vehicle, and you don't really even own the vehicle after paying for three or four years on your lease. You still have to pay a balance, which could be as high as 54%, 58% of the value of the vehicle at the end of the term. Now, if you purchase the vehicle, I suggest paying cash if you can because of the finance charges you are going to incur on the vehicle. Now, the interest rate is really critical if you're going to finance it. I'm going to use 30000 for my truck and give you an example. 
if I were to purchase a truck and make the payments, and the interest rate they were going to give me was 5%. So at 5%, and my tax rate here is 10.5%, so the estimated total interest paid over the course of the 60-month term would have been $4,385. And note that car payments are calculated daily or monthly if you want to look at it that way. And so your car payment is going to be the same for the whole course of your loan term unless you make extra payments. And so to save that interest, you know, over the course of 60 months, I would have paid 4385 in interest. And you can kind of offset that by making extra payments. And then the total interest will go down also as well. But the payment's going to stay the same. So the payment would be $626 a month with the total interest of 4300 So that $30,000 truck would be 37535 with the tax included in there and the payments. And if the interest rate was even higher, which is a lot of, in a lot of cases, it will be higher. Let's say it's 8%, then you're paying $7,000 in interest over the course of that loan and $40,000 for the entire term of the vehicle, including tax. And this is not including license. So you can see that the car payment can be really expensive as far as the interest you pay. I mean, $7,000, that's like three riptides and a bottom feeder right there over that five-year period. And if you took that same $6,000 or $7,180 and invested it in the stock market in a mutual fund, uh, definitely over the course of 20 years, that would be worth a lot more than the truck that has gone down in value over five years. So if you look at the math as far as as an investment, it's not a good idea to have car payments. If you can pay cash, that's better. And also, you can also, if you have an equity, if you have equity in your home, you can get an equity line at about 4%, maybe 4.5%. And that's probably a better package or better loan than a car loan would give you because then you could pay very similar. Your interest is calculated on the balance. We can probably pay that a lot quicker because then the minimum payment is a lot less than the monthly payment on a car. And as you're paying down the home equity line, your payment actually drops. And before you purchase your next vehicle, I would definitely sit down with a good CPA and ask him about the deductions. And there may be one off the top under IRS section 179. You can Google it. You can just go to www.section179.org. It'll break down qualified vehicles to get a tax deduction from the IRS. Most of these vehicles are have to be over 6,000 pounds in weight. And again, your CPA can advise you if you could take the Section 179 uh, deduction on your vehicle when you purchase this. I wouldn't buy anything before I talked to my CPA. Before I bought my Ridgeline, I actually text him and ask him, what's the best way to buy this vehicle for my tax purposes? And he went over, you know, some scenarios for me. So I think it's a good idea to have a good tax professional and go over some ideas before you actually purchase the vehicle. Let me... Compare and contrast your standard mileage deduction versus your standard expense deduction. And you can't do both. It's either or with your taxes. Now, the first year you own your vehicle, you can do the mileage deduction. And then you can switch after the first year if you find that your expense deductions are going to be more. However, if you're leasing the vehicle, the IRS won't let you switch from mileage to expense. So you have to make a decision on the spot when you buy, when you do your lease vehicle, which way you want to go. So another disadvantage of leasing is you don't have the option of switching after the first year. So with the standard mileage deduction, last year it was 57.5 cents per mile. Really easy to comp- compute or calculate your mileage deduction. 
let's say you drove 14,000 miles, you take 14,000 miles by 0.57.5 cents, that's $8,000.50 that you can deduct on your taxes for that mileage. Note that the mileage is anything related to your business. So when you leave your home going to your first stop, or if you leave your home going to your supplier, or if you're driving from one stop to your supplier, that all counts as mileage. The only time that I think it doesn't count is when you're driving home from your last stop. That particular stretch is not included in your mileage. I think you have to kind of talk to your CPA again about that. There's a lot of apps that will track your mileage, just type in on Google best mileage tracking apps and a bunch of them will pop up there that will help you track your mileage for the IRS. If they ever audit you and check, you'll have some kind of log of the mileage you drove for business if they audit you for that, which probably won't happen, but it's good to have that record and have a pretty close approximation of how many miles you drive. So how do you decide between your standard mileage deduction and expense deduction? I think it's pretty easy if you paid cash for your truck and if you drive a lot of miles to just use the standard mileage deduction. I mean, 14,000 miles gets you $8,000. I doubt if the expense of the vehicle is going to add up to that in one year. You can deduct your lease payments, but not your actual car payments. So just keep that in mind also, that the actual car payment is not deductible in the expense deduction. Although you can deduct the interest you pay that year. In my scenario that I gave you at 7%, would be $71,000, I mean $7,100 over five years, roughly about uh, $1,500 a year in your deduction on your interest, which isn't a whole lot compared to $8,000, plus your tires and your insurance. I'll go over the whole list actually right here. And so here's the list here would be your gas and oil, repair and maintenance, depreciation of your vehicle and improvements, which may move the needle depending on how much you can depreciate car repair tools, licensing fees, parking fees, registration fees, tires, insurance, car wash, lease payments, and again, you could do your interest that you pay that year, towing charges, auto club dues. And so all of that has to add up more than your mileage deduction because the IRS will count all of this in the mileage deduction for you, like the gas and the wear and tear on the vehicle, as part of the standard mile deduction. I'm not sure what it's going to be this year. They haven't released it for 2022 for the tax season. So it may be more than 57.5, sometimes it's less. I think with the way inflation is and the cost of everything, it's going to be higher than the 57.5 or at least 57.5 again. But definitely the mileage deduction may be better. Just in fact, if you drive a lot of miles, you may just want to take the standard mileage deduction. Even if you make car payments or if you lease the vehicle, it may be better to take the mileage deduction again. You have to drive a certain amount of miles to make it worth that versus all the other fees that I listed here that you can deduct in the standard expense deduction. And again, you can switch after the first year. So most professionals, tax professionals, would like you to take the mileage deduction for the first year and see where you're at at that point. And then if the expenses are more the next year, you can flip and switch to that. But once you switch, you have to stick with it and you can't flip back again. It's only after that first year that the IRS allows you to switch from the standard mileage deduction to the actual expense deduction on your vehicle. So you can't go back and forth every year. It's one or the other for the life of the vehicle until you replace it with another vehicle. You can also do a quick Google search for the vehicles that qualify under Section 179. It's heavy SUVs and pickups and vans that are used for 50% of business, which exceeds 6,000 pounds. And there's a whole list here. There's the Audi Q7, which you're probably not using for service. B3 
BMW X5. Again, these are more like luxury SUVs. I'll skip down here to the vehicles, which would be the Ford F-150 and larger, uh, GMC Sierra, Honda Pilot, Honda Odyssey, which you're not, again, using for service, but they're on the list here. And then you have the Nissan Titan, Toyota 4Runner, and the Tundra. And so the whole list you can find online and see which vehicles qualify. Your CPA, of course, can qualify your vehicle based on the gross weight of it. And to find out the gross weight of the vehicle, you can just Google it. That's what I did with the other vehicle that I purchased two years ago to find out if it qualified. And actually in the door jam, if you're looking for vehicles in the door jam of the car, it'll give you the gross curb weight. And so that has to be uh, over 6,000 pounds again to qualify for the Section 179 deduction, which I believe you can deduct all of the vehicle that's used for business that first year you purchased it. If you're using that vehicle for 100% of business, you can deduct the actual entire fee. For my wife's Lexus, we only use it half for business, so I was able to deduct half of that, which is about 12000 or 14000 that first year we had that vehicle. So again, a good CPA will go over all of these deductions for you and help you make the most educated purchase with your vehicle and allow you to decide on which deduction you want, standard mileage or the expense deduction. And I just looked up that deduction one more time, and it gives you a ceiling of 26200 and that keeps you from writing off like a real super, you know, like a Hummer-type vehicle. And so that's the um, number that you can use to kind of go off of, of how much you can write off on the vehicle, which is actually a really good write-off that you may miss if you don't have a good CPA that's advising you. And once again, I think buying a good use truck below blue book value cash is the best way to go if you have to use your home equity line i think that's a good product because as you're paying down the principal the payment gets lower and the interest is usually a lot lower than what you would get at a dealer when you go to finance a vehicle they're going to try to make as much money on the vehicle as possible and by charging you more to finance it they're definitely going to maximize the amount of money that they're going to earn on the vehicle leasing would be my least suggested way of buying the truck because of the mileage restriction and just the fact that they don't do anything to the sticker price when you lease a vehicle. In fact, it's the most expensive way to actually purchase, not purchase, to, to actually drive the car off the lot is by leasing it because you don't own it, you're renting it, you're paying the sales tax every month in your payment, which is weird. So to me, I just don't like leasing, period. And I don't think it's something that you should even consider. Either pay cash, use your home equity line, or finance below 4% would be ideal. Below 5% would be okay. But definitely as you go higher in that percentage, you're just losing more and more money. However, if you're going to pay that truck off early, it doesn't matter if it's if it's at 7% because you're going to be making payments to kind of knock that interest out. And ultimately, how you want to purchase your vehicle is your decision. I just think that it's more logical to use that money for other things, investing in your business, investing in the market, saving up money to buy a rental property, However you want to use that money that you would be paying the bank in interest, you would use it that way. But I understand if you can't afford to actually buy the truck in cash, just make extra payments to pay it off early. And that's probably the smart way to do it if you don't have all the cash to buy it. And then the deductions, of course, go over that with your CPA to find out what the best course is for your business at the point in your business at this point. And things may change later, so he'll probably outline things about if you're driving more or if you know, the expense write-off is better. 
I can't answer that for you. You can't answer that for yourself, but a good CEPA can definitely provide you with those answers. And if you're looking for other podcasts I recorded, you can find them on my website, swimmingprolearning.com. Click on, on the banner, click on the podcast icon. It'll take you to a drop-down menu of other podcasts that I recorded. I have over 750 podcasts, so you can definitely find something to listen to there. And if you're in the industry and you want to enhance your business, definitely check out my coaching program at poolguycoaching.com. A lot of great benefits are joining there, including a discount on your general liability insurance. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week, and God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Yeah! Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at GetSkimmer.com backslash pool guy again that's get skimmer backslash pool guy skimmer everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app